Hello, this is iBond Studio Podcast Show 27. Today we interview a well-known marketing guru called Damon Burton. He started his company as a one-man show 13 years ago, right before the 2008 recession, all without a footprint to follow. Damon showed remarkable resilience in dealing with the tough times and pushed forward towards his goal. And now, he has grown a successful SEO company, being well-liked on LinkedIn and a Forbes contributor. Here is Damon Burton. Hello, Damon. Hey, Damon, can you hear me? Hey, Alex, yeah. Ooh, I think you still have three hours below. Well, you, you're afternoon now, right? Uh, yeah, it's 3.45 in the afternoon. Uh-huh. How was the past week? Good? Oh, it's always busy, so nothing, nothing too unordinary. <laughs> I wouldn't be like you when I grew up, Devon. <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't. I don't. I. I. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> None of us know what we're doing. <laughs> Interesting, you said that because it's a learning curve. It's the world of hypocrisy. You know, we learn a lot as we go along. Yeah, yeah. I think um, you know it's important to just kind of be comfortable with what you do now and be open to um, embracing the the infamiliarities of other stuff, and then and and that makes things easier uh, to deal with and makes you learn things faster and be more open to uh, more diversity. And so, yeah. I couldn't say it any better, Damon. Thanks for that intro. Good opening. Well, tell us about yourself so the audience can know you a little better. Yeah, so Damon Burton uh, started a company called SEO National 13 years ago. Um, SEO, what that stands for is search engine optimization, which is uh, getting your website to show up higher on Google for words that you can monetize, but without paying for ads. So that's where I'm at now. That's what my expertise has been for the last while. I just wrote a book on it and you know did some fun things before that, but that's where I'm at nowadays. Very good. Um, we definitely would like to talk more about that, but before we do that, let's go about and we know for a fact that based on your information online that you have an SEO company and you're a contributor of Ford. And before we go all into that, tell us how you come about in opening that company 13 years ago. Well, I started on with clients on the side. So originally my background started in web design. And so I had some clients that I did some design for. And, and I mean, if you want to go even before that, I had a little hobby website that was on, it was about cars. So it was kind of like a, a website that featured Fast and Furious style cars, but before Fast and Furious came out. And as that audience kind of grew, it, you know, it had a forum and a message board on there. And so it attracted a, a loyal audience. And then at some point I, I saw how much traffic it was getting, which made me think, well, how do I how do I make this better so we can continue to grow? And so I started learning more web design. And then as that grew and I started doing other project websites, I, I asked, you know, how do I get into monetizing this? And that's how I got into marketing and just spent a couple of years experimenting and doing little project sites uh, to, to large success. It, you know, I didn't have any intention at this point of, you know, pursuing an, an online career directly. But that's kind of like I was saying in the opening, I was comfortable with the unknown and I didn't force myself to pick a career path. But what I did instead is, you know, sometimes I relate it to dating. And so, um, you know, I've been married for 14 years. And, and as I was dating before I met my wife, you kind of take from relationships what you like and don't like and learn from there and grow. So I kind of dated different careers, I would say, and learned what I liked and didn't like. And I would experience one career and enough for me to decide how much of it I enjoyed and how much I didn't. And then when I would move on to the next career, I was never disappointed or anything, but I would, I would say, well, 
this is great. This is what I learned and then apply it to the next thing and then just slowly grow. And so at the point where I found the right career, just like when I found, you know, the right person to date and I wanted to marry, I guess you could say I kind of married my career. And so I took that experience in what I had done in these project sites and, and these small sites on the side um, and decided, you know, design is what I enjoy. And then about a year or two into that, uh, you know, depending on if we want to get into more detail, about a year or two into that is when I said very specifically that SEO is, is what I'm going to focus on. Before I even go into the details of what you just said, let me just congratulate your wife for standing beside an understanding and a wonderful personality you are. Damien, congratulations on your footing. Uh, I appreciate that. You're welcome. Yeah. Um, let's look at the idea in your background. You had your hobby website and your hobby website where you did a project site where something similar to the Fast and Furious. Did Fast and Furious, this multi-billion dollar chain industry, movie industry, did they ever reach out to you? Or did they take that from you? No, no, no. It, it was, you know, just coincidental timing. I think, um, you know, my site was getting some local attention probably two years before Fast and Furious came out. I actually remember pretty well um, because a lot of the people that I participated on the website message boards with, we got together and actually went and saw Fast and Furious when it came out. But no, I mean, my website wasn't like that big that it would attract any attention at that level. Well, sometimes you never know. I mean, the little things in life is what starts big things like growing to big gigantic things yeah you'll be surprised that probably somebody some ant or a fly saw that somewhere and say what do you think about that yeah yeah I, I think it was just um you know coincidental timing and it was fun for me to be at that age enjoying that type of uh you know being a car enthusiast at that time when fast and furious was just starting but yeah there's there was no relation there i, I mean i'm sure they probably were filming obviously long before the movie came out and and uh, i'm sure that um they probably started that process about the same time i started building the site so it's just a coincidence yeah a coincidence and did you have any chance to do some patent or trademark uh, not on um, that website, no. I mean, it, it wasn't a commercial thing that I did. It wasn't any sort of business. You know, I have three trademarks now, but, you know, back then it wasn't anything. The, the Car Enthusiast website, just looking back, is something that contributed to my interest in online marketing. But at the time, it, it wasn't any sort of business or anything that I, I had um, anything to protect over. Well, based on your information, I just learned one thing. Regardless of how important our ideas are, how value it brings, we should look forward to patent it or trademark it or copyright it. And if you have done that, I think you would have a hell of a money right now. Uh, no, <laughs> no, I think, uh, <laughs> I, you know, uh, uh, it's not like I invented the world of car enthusiasm or anything. You know, I didn't have, there, there wasn't anything unique as far as the concept. I just uh, created an environment for fellow people that had the same interest to go communicate. You know, this was before Facebook. And so, um, you know, I didn't make anything. I just created an environment for people to communicate. Yes, I understood. But that environment is a big name in the movie industry. <laughs> and let's go forward. Number two, what's your business about and how do you charge in your services? We do prices based specific on the client. So I don't do package rates. Um, and there's a specific reason why 
with packages, usually when there's a marketing agency, um, you know, if packages work for other companies, that's fine. But the reason why I don't do them is because I don't want a sales team overcharging a client just to get more commission. But then I also don't want a client choosing the lowest price package. And I know that we can't deliver the results that they deserve because we don't have, you know, they're not investing for us to sufficiently drive those results. So what I do is when we have a new lead, then we we look at a couple things. And, you know, uh, some examples are we look at what industry they're in. So is it a really competitive industry or is it something really unique with less competitors? The second thing we look at is geographical targets. So are they in, is their audience in just one city or is it in a, a larger state or province or is it national or is it international? So obviously the, the larger your geographical target is, the more competition, which means the more things you have to do, which means more time and cost. And then we also kind of look at what, how is their website built? Do we need to redesign it, redevelop it to make it more effective to support what we're going to do? So depending on those three things, then we say, okay, this is very specifically what we need to do, which means this is very specifically the amount of time and the amount of cost that we have to invest in it. So we we kind of we give a very specific rate for each individual client. Now that can vary quite a bit, but it, if I had to pick an average range, it's probably between two and four thousand dollars a month. And then you know obviously the bigger clients in competitive industries that are international, then that can that can go above that. But that's kind of our average range. Very well said, and I appreciate that because we have had different guests on our show and they're going into more packages. Damon, what differentiates you? Whereas audience will look out to you faster than the other ones is that you don't carry packages and packages can start within 10. The last one I had said a package begins at 15 grand. So when you have a startup or founder beginning to bootstrap the little baby, there's no way they could have that money to throw out anything. So it is important that you did the right thing. And I think it is a great service that you have service rate instead of packages. Yeah, there's, you, you had mentioned that I write, I write about SEO for Forbes and, and that's one of the topics I wrote about is, you know, how do you decide what, what does SEO cost and why? Or how do you identify the good SEO companies versus the bad? Uh, you know, the problem with SEO is, you know, there, there's bad guys in any industry, but with SEO, because it's, it's a slower process to build up your website's reputation, some salesmen or businesses will sell a concept of quick opportunities um, or, you know, they'll tell you it's going to take a couple months. And so you just have to trust them. And the problem that creates is some of those guys take advantage of that trust. And so you really need to know what you're getting into. The Because SEO has changed so much, I've been in it for 13 years and then, you know, in web design for longer. And over that time, the way that SEO is, is approached has changed quite a bit. And so the problem you run into is the amount of time that you need to do good SEO there's a lot of minimum requirements and those minimum requirements take time. And so when you have somebody that says I can do SEO for $99 a month or some sort of cheap rate, it's just logistically not possible for them to do anything good for that rate. So, you know, you got to, obviously a startup business wants to protect their 
their cash flow and their money. But at the same time, if you go too cheap with SEO, you're just burning that money. So there, there's a good guide. If you just go search Forbes, Damon Burton, you'll find a couple posts where I talk about these kind of topics and give you some good understanding so you can go into a, a sales discussion and, and have a good understanding of how to approach SEO and what type of questions to ask. Oh, very good. I think that it is well fed from your point of view. And when it comes to advertising, it is important that we note one of the key things that you mentioned, not going for a long period of time. And and that makes a lot of sense because in this way, you have to realize that you can't go and burn money. At the same time, you want your service to get off the ground ASAP. So I think it was well said. Now, let us go as a contributor of Ford. There was a recession in 2008. Damon, please tell us, how did you deal with within that recession and grow your business long before you became a contributor? The the recession was, you know, for me, it was, I, I don't have any bad memories looking back. And, and I think that I was lucky in some ways. So I started my business in 2007. And then, like you said, the recession was in 2008. But, you know, at the time I was just a one man show, you know, I might have had one employee by by 2008, 2009. But um, what is different about now versus then for me is when I started, I was more of a budget provider and SEO was different and you could do it for a little bit cheaper back then. And and so the way the, I think the recession actually helped my business grow because what I did was I came in and, you know, businesses were suffering and they needed to save money, but they still needed leads and online sales. So I was able to come in and say, well, instead of paying an ongoing rate for paid ads and your budget always goes up and down. I have a low cost fixed rate and you know we can drive similar results but for cheaper. And so it was convenient for me or lucky or however you want to say it that I was starting back then and I could be the low cost provider back then. And nowadays I still have you know, half a dozen of our first clients from 13 years ago from 2007, 2008, 2009. And so being able to come in and provide value for people and businesses back then has really contributed to the ongoing success of the company. Um, so these clients, we were able to grow with them. So we're no longer the budget provider anymore. Uh, but as we've grown with these, you know, some of these businesses, they now make more in a month than they used to in a year. And so they have a lot of trust with us and we've experienced a lot of things together. And so they send referrals. And I think that, that to bring it full circle, that's what I'm getting at is to provide value and whatever service or product you offer, even if you have to sacrifice larger profits now for better relationships in the long run, then do that because probably 90%, you know, I have this, I have this successful company and I've never spent any money on advertising. And that's because of the relationships that I've built. And once you provide success or a good service for one person, then they tell their other business friends and their other entrepreneurs. And then if you repeat that process, then it just continues to grow and grow and grow and multiply and multiply. Um, And I think the current economic situation is very similar where, you know, people are looking to maximize their dollar and do business with people they trust. And so now is actually a great opportunity to plant those seeds for the people that are, you know, they they need that extra attention and care and they feel vulnerable. And so if you can be the one that can help them out, then they're going to be the long-term clients for you throughout the future. Well said, Damon. I like the way you phrase it up. How do you manage to get into being a contributor for the Forbes magazine? 
It's kind of the same concept that we were just talking about, you know, starting small and helping out one outlet. And so writing small and writing for one outlet and then, uh, you know, providing good content there or even on your own blog or social media and getting a small audience and then leveraging that audience to go from a small platform to a medium platform and then repeating that process and then going from a medium platform to a larger platform. So it was just slowly writing for one outlet and another and then, you know, building my company over that time and establishing credibility until the, the next bigger opportunity came and then just repeat and repeat until, you know, you get to these outlets that you know, are noteworthy that you can share with others. Understood. Now, you said you were one man show and you never take investment from angel or venture capital? No. Uh, yeah. So when I said one man show, that was in, you know, 2007, 2008. So now I have a you know, dozen employees. Um, but yeah, we've never taken any investments. Um, we've never had money come in and we've never paid money out into advertising. So um, we've grown entirely organic and by referrals and, you know, we practice what we preach and, and uh, yeah, I'm the, I'm still a hundred percent original owner. That is a great story. Now that you focus a lot on maximizing or scaling this company, what are your givebacks or your way of seeing your hook in providing the services to people who are here in you who wants to start to push the business to the next level? Because many of us, I said us because I know we are one people, many of us out there, we have our business and we seem to be stuck in the zone. We are not able to move to the next level or move that middle. What are your advice so that we could get to you in order to move forward? Uh, well, as far as how I get back, I, you know, I'm always rooting for the fellow entrepreneur and, and that's why I enjoy getting on, you know, podcasts like this and sharing my advice. And as far as advice, I would say that pick you know, explore a little and get some confidence behind which career path you want to pursue. You know, I have a lot of other fellow entrepreneur friends who have had success in multiple businesses and most of them have more than one business. And when I talk to them and I say that's admirable, every single time they say the opposite, they say, I wish that I did what you did and simplified and just stuck to one business. And so that's where I found success. And then even as I talk to others that have found success in multiple opportunities, they still point back and say, stick to one thing. And so I'd, I'd say, identify what area or career or service that you have some passion behind. Um, don't entirely follow the money. Obviously, you want to find financial success and stability. But if you can't have some passion behind it, then it's not going to help you, you know, do the early mornings or do the late nights and really put in the extra effort that you need to, to break beyond your competitors. So try and find that balance of where the opportunity is and you have some passion but is something that you can, you know, really commit to. And it's going to take time. The biggest thing that I see in people that I entrepreneur, you know, that I mentor or I'm in communication with, with early stage entrepreneurs is they see all this entrepreneur success glorified on social media. And that's fine, you know, celebrate your wins and social media is fine, but I think it's, I think it's excessive. And so people get unrealistic expectations of how long, you know, it takes to find success. And there's like, there's like a quote that says overnight success takes 10 years. And so it's kind of like this joke, but it's, it's pretty accurate. Um, 
you know, you got to be willing. That's why passion is so important because if you think it's going to take one year, it's probably going to take five or 10. And so you got to find something that's enjoyable enough that you would still be willing to put in the extra time, do the early mornings, do the late nights. So uh, to come full circle, explore a little bit and experiment. So you're pretty confident in the path of opportunities that you're going to pursue. And once you make that decision, really stick to it and give it enough time to prove its value. I think that is the response of an intelligent man. And I know for a fact it's going to help a lot of people. Since we're about to close, I have just about three more questions. First one is, what is the one thing you wish you knew before you began your career? I, I have an answer. It's probably not a, a super specific one. You know, I've been pretty fortunate where I've never had anything too crazy happen or any regrets or huge missed opportunities. But one area that I probably would have moved on quicker to help scale is um, bringing on, you know, more team or more virtual assistants. So for the first while, when I started my company, I was in my early and mid 20s. And so it was just cool to be self-employed. And then after a year or two, when I said, hey, I have a good opportunity, I should probably do something with this. Then, you know, I had one or two employees. They didn't really start to have four, five, six, seven employees until maybe, I don't know, five or six years into it. And um, once I realized, you know, I, I, I actually remember kind of the moment is I was listening to Tim Ferriss's four hour work week, and I didn't really have a huge aha moment from that book, but there was, you know, a lot of things that were in there, which are valuable. Um, I was already kind of familiar with, but, but one takeaway when I finished the book was, you know, why do I only have one or two VAs and team members? Why don't I have more? And so within maybe a month of that, um, you know, I, I ended up having five or six employees. And so I really started to scale and, um, I would have documented my processes and scaled quicker. So I already had processes, but somewhere on a word doc, somewhere on a spreadsheet and somewhere in my head. And, um, about the same time I was listening to four hour work week, I also listened to E-Myth Revisited and that emphasized the importance of documenting those processes. And so then I, I took and brought all of those different sources of documentation and put them into one CRM. And that really helped scale the company because then I could bring in new team members and just say, here's all the documentation already. So I didn't have to spend as much time training and they could be more effective quicker and their quality control is better. I would have probably documented and brought on more, more team members earlier. Well said, and that's a lesson to learn. Next question, are there any resources or mentor that helped you on your journey? No, probably the opposite. I learned, I, I think I learned most in seeing what others did poorly. Some of the, the last employers I had before I started my own company uh, treated their, their team members really poorly. Um, and it, not just, they, they treated them poorly in a variety of ways, whether it was financial compensation, uh, but more importantly, just respect. And so I learned how not to treat team members because, you know, I was feeling it. So it gave me more respect for when I did have employees. And then it also taught me the importance of, you know, employee privacy and giving them the, the work personal life boundaries because I'd have employers that would, you know, call me after hours or even on holidays or at nights. And so it really helped me set expectations for how I wanted to establish my boundaries between me and, you know, clients. Like I don't give out my cell phone number, but then also how I uh, respect my employees and, you know, make sure not to bug them after hours and on weekends. Good. And 
final signature question. Do you think Damon Burton was born for a reason in this world? That's an interesting question. Uh, I, I, you know, I think about maybe not the, this question specifically, but kind of the general concept. And there's kind of like I said earlier, you get comfortable with the unknown and kind of experimenting and figuring out what you're doing with your career. I kind of take that same approach with life. So um, a good example is like giving back and donations and charities. I don't have a specific charity that I contribute to. Uh, and so instead I come and donate in larger groups when it feels appropriate. So some examples are, you know, I think it was last year we were, me and my kids were going to the store and they, as we were checking out, they had a bin of, of gifts and they said, would you like to purchase one of these gifts that we donate to, you know, these kids shelters. And so instead of just buying one or two, I just said, I'll just buy all of them. And so like there's little opportunities like that. Or a couple of years ago, I had an assistant call all the local schools and find out which, you know, how many families were behind on their lunch debt. And so it ended up being a couple thousand dollars. And so I called the school district and I just paid that full amount and paid off all the debt for the school lunches. And so there's, there's moments like that where I try to have how I contribute to people or society or the community have a direct impact that I know it was followed through. And so charities are great. Uh, but for me, like it's a thing where you have to, I, I want to feel more emotionally committed to it. And with just a general charity, I, I don't know where things are going and how the money is spent. So I try to identify opportunities where I can give directly. And, and so to kind of take that and come back to your original question is, yeah, I think there's going to be something big that is my legacy. I just don't know what it is yet. Just like I didn't know what my company would be. And just like I said, be, that's okay. Just figure out what's right for you, but be okay going through that process of figuring it out. So yeah, I think that there will be something grand at some point. I just don't know what it is yet, and, and that's okay. Very well said, Damon. Well, we learned quite a bit from you, and I know for a fact that the audience will enjoy, especially knowing that you come from a background of creating hobby websites, you know, and you started in 2007, but you build that SEO company and you don't charge packages because you know for a fact it have a high price for mostly corporate entity and big business. You look at the small business in your organization and you target them in a more special way. You run audit through the websites to figure out the pain points, the problems, everything they needed, and then you figure out how to work things out from there, which is very nice done when it comes to SEO. Going forward, you were able to capitalize on by propelling yourself upwards the curves as you go along. So they know they're going to get the real from you if you have to be the one representing them or helping them to grow. And the most important thing we left for the last, you also give back to communities. You serve others and then you go to schools to assist others. Damon, I think you're a very good story and I really appreciate you making the time for us today. Yeah, thanks for reaching out. I appreciate the opportunity to chat. Yes, so one of the ways that they can get you is www.damonburton.com and what are the ways that they can reach you? Um, freeseobook.com. Uh, like I said, I just finished a, a book. Um, I spent the last two years writing it about SEO and there's some fun stories in there too about you know how I got into this and I talk about that car site. Um, but it was just published two weeks ago and so I'm excited to have that out there and I'm going to give away some free digital copies on that site, freeseobook.com. Wow, that's, you left that for the last. <laughs> That's nice. I, I think I'll, make, I'll put that in the show notes also so people can go ahead and check out that book. 
important and it is important that they know it's coming from you so that was nice and uh, thank you again and i wish you the best don't be afraid to reach out because i know you have a podcast yourself yeah the, the podcasting was um i've been doing that for about a year or two it's just uh something i you know it's unrelated to my my day-to-day business at seo national but uh you know it's kind of been fun to hear other people's stories as well okay cool well how many episodes uh, is it in now uh, i think we're around 100 right now yeah that's quite a lot did you hear the story about joe logan i did you know what's funny is i was on another podcast earlier today and and the guy asked about that as well <laughs> <laughs> yes he did it so don't give up yeah yeah well you know that's maybe that's he a good because down the line we might catch up again yeah yeah there you go yeah it's been fun you know it, i don't have any necessarily business goals with the podcast um i don't want to i don't want to sacrifice you know for sure money with my business for for maybe money with the podcast and so more importantly i just enjoy doing the podcast and so i think if i try to monetize it i might lose my interest so i i just probably keep doing it for fun okay well said thank you Thanks, appreciate that. You bet. all right bye thanks for listening to highborn studio podcast show with your host calix if you like our show give us a review we want to thank our sponsor free conference call service who made it possible for these interviews you can contact us via ibonstudio.org or support us on anchor.fm/ibonstudio thank you for all your comments